Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with veteran New York City jazz pianist Art Hirahara. It's been some time, but we finally caught up with this busy and talented musician and talked about quite a bit. Like his latest 2021 CD, Balance Point, it's his fifth release on Positone. The CD features collaborations with tenor saxophonist Melissa Aldana, bassist Joe Martin, and drummer Rudy Royston. He is originally from the San Francisco Bay Area and moved to New York in 2003 to be challenged by its pool of world-class musicians, and he's got exactly that. Enjoy. Hey, it's been probably two or three years in the making that I really wanted to talk to you, so I'm thrilled to have the chance to finally speak with you. Thank you for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz. Uh, thank you for having me. You bet. So let's start off here with Balance Point, another wonderful album you put out into the world. And it happens to come out during a very tenuous time on the planet with a pandemic and the possibility of things opening up, but still at a standstill. What are your thoughts on the timing of the release of this album? Um, I guess when it was originally recorded, we didn't know that it was going to be released during a pandemic. I guess the idea of, of Finding Balance somehow resonated at, at the moment uh, that it was released and the timing worked out well and it was a well-received record. So, And probably at the time, uh, because music had sort of stopped being performed in public and people were just starting to get their heads around doing streaming shows, etc., people were hungry to hear music. So it worked out to be that it was an ideal time to re- release the record and I'm glad that I was able to put it out in the world during that uh, really t- tough, terrible time. So this is your fifth release on Positone, and I'm curious, with each successive release, what are you looking to do? I know this is a very self-exploratory kind of release for you. Is there is there something that you think about when you go in the studio that you really want to do each successive time? I'm not sure if I have a particular goal. I guess... Um, I'm fortunate to have a label like Positone that actually has been helping me document my progress in my career and, and my compositional development. So I guess each successive time, I've, I'm hoping to push forward and develop my voice as a composer and also to as a performer and to, I guess, have a stronger conversation with uh, my fellow musicians that are, is hopefully captivating to a, to a larger audience. The idea of this album behind it, there was a lot of self-exploration. And when we think about what we've gone through over the last year with COVID, there's been a lot of things because we've been imposed inside. What have you learned about yourself over this year and, and, and a little bit more that maybe you didn't realize before as a musician, as a person, coping, those kinds of things? Oh, that's an interesting question. I guess I would say that I really realized how much I value interacting with other people, uh, particularly musically. To not be able to be in the same room as uh, my fellow musicians when we're creating music, it left this big hole in my soul, basically. When I, for, for example, well, the first time that I actually got together with musicians um, following the lockdown, it was such a cathartic moment um, to be able to actually create music with people and hear the vibrations of sound in the same room coming directly from other musicians. It made me really realize how visceral the music is and how vital that instantaneous connection is in order to create jazz and, and improvisation, live improvisation. That really hit home to me how live music is such an important part of my life. You know, the one thing, I there was a, a jazz singer in Kansas City. Her name is Molly Hammer. We lost her last year. But I interviewed her 
you know, over intervals. And I remember the first time after she beat cancer, I was asking her about, you know, how did the world change for you? She told me that she said yes. More and more she said yes after that. And I'm wondering after the trauma of something like this, are, do you feel like you're going to say yes more as you get back out and do your thing? I guess I, I will say yes to taking risks and doing things that I haven't done before. Uh, being in this situation of the pandemic, of course, we all have had to adapt and do new things that we're not used to. And and in doing so, I felt like maybe I've been trying things, new things that are maybe moving me in different directions, but opening new doors, opening new possibilities. So I think that's a great quote from, from the singer you interviewed that, yes, you when you say yes, you're basically affirming that you are open to what the possibility of what's going to happen. And yes, I would say that the pandemic has reinforced that for me, definitely. And I guess the other thing about this is it's obvious from, from the musician's standpoint, missing a live stage and doing those things that you were always accustomed to doing. But is there anything else that you really miss from that old world of March of 2020 that you're looking forward to getting back to? Well, I guess the main thing would be to like traveling and touring and performing for people around the world who live in different places and different cultures and to be able to connect with them through music. That is something that is really vital for, for, for my personal uh, satisfaction. So that opportunity, when, as soon as that happens, I will be right there and ready to go and really looking forward to that. So I want to go back in your life and go into the roots of like how jazz took hold in you. What was one of the first live jazz shows you ever saw that made you think that's what I want to do with my life? That's an interesting question. Um, I wasn't really exposed to jazz when I was very young, except looking back, I actually realized that I was um, just through television and um, particularly Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood because he had a live jazz trio on there. And I didn't even know that I was being exposed to jazz at that moment, but a great jazz rhythm section was playing on that show. So it was in my childhood. I just didn't know it. And it was only in college that I started to get really interested in it. Uh, my first jazz show in college was the McCoy Tyner Trio, and I was blown away by just this three-hour show of nonstop wall of sound energy. And it really made me inspired because of the, the freedom, the transcendence, the conversation that was happening between the musicians. That's what really attracted me to the music, is that people could get together and like have really deep conversation in the moment in such an exciting way, and that's what turned me on to the music. Did you have any other dreams of, one, of becoming something else when you grew up, or was it always music? Music was always a big part of my life, and maybe in high school I started to think that maybe I would want to be a film composer. Um, I had a really amazing piano teacher. She, she exposed me to electronic music when I was very young. Like she even taught herself how to use this technology so she could teach her students. Her name was Sue Shannon. She was in the Bay Area. But she um, also taught improvisation and composition. So she gave me that language, the ability to speak the language of improvisation from the time that I was very young. So I didn't know that she was actually preparing me to be a jazz musician. But up until um, when, I, when I got into high school and was exploring music, I thought that maybe I would want to be a film composer. But it was when I got to college and I heard the McCoy-Tyner trio and heard jazz that I realized, wow, that's really what I want to do. And I didn't even know that that's what I wanted to do. So, you know, going back to the McCoy shows in the early years before you really started performing yourself and you were looking in on the jazz world, 
once you got into the jazz world, what were the most surprising things you realized about being on the inside of that bubble? Well, there are, there are all these layers that uh, come with playing the music. Um, well, first of all, I was attracted to this conversational aspect of the music, and I didn't really realize the, how much deeper it was than I even thought it was going to be, just from listening and um, and how satisfying it was for me to do that. But then also this the whole cultural aspect of being mentored by the older generation of musicians, particularly black musicians, that was a, an amazing experience for me growing up, like after college, going to the back to the Bay Area and playing with musicians and being mentored, and sort of being taken under the wings of other um, older musicians, it was such a satisfying and amazing experience to to get that kind of uh, mentorship and generosity uh, from the previous generations. Sorry, we're in New York City, but you can hear the horns in the background. I love it, man. <laughs> I love it when I hear that. When I hear sirens and horns. It just warms my soul, so it's all good. <laughs> so speaking of mentors and, and dreams realized, you know, you've been on the stage with a lot of heavy cats like Rufus Reed, Don Braden, Vincent Herring. It goes on and on and on. What mm-hmm. have you learned from those kinds of legends, veterans, and luminaries that you, in turn, have helped younger cats around you? Like, what have you given them that was given to you? Well, I hope that I've, I'm able to transmit this, this idea of generosity and of how there's a lineage and how there's a connection that goes back to our ancestors um, and the, how that energy comes through us when we're playing the music and also the generosity to the audience and how we're not necessarily... I mean, we are playing for ourselves in, a way, in the fact that it's very satisfying, but um, when, we're, when we're playing for an audience, we're really playing for them and we're re- really playing to find really the, the truth that's happening right at the moment that it's being created. Hopefully, that's something that I can transmit to younger musicians that I work with. And how technicality is important, obviously, when you're learning, uh, learning the trade and the craft. But in the end, um, it's not technicality that um, is what moves people. It's, it's really connection with people that is the most important part of the music. Was it shocking for you to go from San Francisco to New York? Was that kind of a system thing that you had to kind of adjust to, or was it a natural fit? I think it was actually a natural fit. It was, um, I think San Francisco, at, at least at the time that I was coming up, was a, it was sort of a stepping stone that like a, was sort of a microcosm, like a small version of New York City, different scenes and, and different styles of, of music at, and a, at a very high level. So I would say in San Francisco, there are great musicians that are as great as musicians in New York City. It's just that the density is much higher here in New York City. Having been fortunate to work with the best musicians in the Bay Area, I think it was basically a a sort of a stepping stone path to come to New York and a natural progression for me. You know, the one thing that struck me about this uh, pandemic and, and lockdown is that of all the art forms that are out there, being in this situation seems like it's true improv. It truly mirrors what the jazz musician does when they get on stage. And my question to you is this. We've had a proclivity over this last year to look at all of these things that are awful and negative, and it's been a shock for us all. We've all gone through trauma. But I'm wondering, how do you think this is going to make the jazz world stronger going through this experience that we have? That's an interesting question. Um, well, I think that the fact that it affected all of us sort of leveled the playing field 
as far as our experience. We all experienced the same thing. The, even from famous jazz musicians to students to, to beginners, we all were basically cut off from the opportunity to play live, to play for an audience, to play together. So that immediately leveled the playing field in that regard, that we all have a collective common experience. And I think that that might actually help us when, when things restart to real, realize how important our community is and how, how important it is for us to actually support each other as a community. And I'm hoping that that's what happens when things restart. And they are starting to restart, I'm happy to say. Speaking of, um, like with your itinerary and just what you're seeing around you, hearing things like that is so positive. Talk to me a little bit about what's happening now and what you kind of see happening as 2021 stretches on. Well, in New York City, I guess uh, vaccinations have begun. I've been fortunate to get uh, both of my shots. So uh, maybe a couple months ago, when as restaurants started to open up, my steady gig that I used to play before the pandemic sort of came back. But instead of playing with other musicians, I was playing solo piano. So that sort of started. And then, and then Smalls has actually been going through a large part of this pandemic. They've been presenting streaming uh, concerts. So that's been a, a, an amazing, vital part of keeping the scene alive. And then other venues have popped up. Like um, there's a, I just played a couple of shows for this organization that just set up a little storefront concert. Basically, they set up the band inside the store, and then they mic the band, and then they broadcast out to the street, and people on the street could just stop and sort of enjoy a concert. Obviously, through the streaming thing that uh, a lot of musicians are doing, there are a lot of things that have been going on, but live performance is starting to come back, and I think as the pandemic gets under control and as venues start to open, that's going to happen more and more. Um, the one thing that I really can't predict in 2021 is if we're ever go if we're going to actually see uh, touring musicians and traveling groups, um, just because it, it it seems like, for example, in Europe and in Asia, they're sort of having these third and fourth waves. Maybe it's just that we're going to be highly local for a while, but locally things are starting to pick up. So I'm hopeful. You know, as an artist and a musician, what do you look forward to each day when you wake up being in that position of of being a musician and being a creator? What do you look forward to? Well, the thing I love about being a jazz musician is, is improvising, and I look forward to being put into new situations where uh, I have to adapt and come up with something and hopefully create something that, that was unexpected and might be even better than what I would have been doing if I hadn't come across that situation. So... Looking forward to that and, and spontaneity and, and being able to respond and adapt, that to me is exciting, the exciting thing about being a musician. I think in very minute ways we've touched on this, but I just want to ask up front, when we do return in earnest, you're on stage, I'm in the audience, what do you hope we all collectively realize, an epiphany about this long absence from live music? I hope that we realize how vital and how necessary and how how much food for the soul that music really is. And it's not just entertainment. It's a lot deeper than that. And that we can really connect and connect in a deeper way because we actually realize that our humanity and we realize our collective experience and we realize that 
we are connected as I mean people are have been affected by the pandemic because it's spread so it really shows how we are connected physically as well so um, I'm hoping that that connection is really something that we can appreciate after this is over let's say you have a dream tonight and you run into your younger self right before you're getting ready to become a professional musician and you could give your younger self one bit of advice based on what you've learned all these years what would you say to your younger <laughs> self? <laughs> Maybe I would say uh, expect the unexpected. Don't don't be I guess don't be distracted just because uh, things don't go how you expect. Because um, will no matter what happens, you'll find a way. I would say that to my younger self. You'll find a way. You'll be able to adapt as long as you keep looking forward. That you'll you'll be happy. Let's say we get off the phone, a jazz DeLorean pulls up in front of your house, Doc's sitting at the front seat, and you can punch in the digits and go see one jazz show in the entire history of our recorded history. Where are you going? Who would you want to talk to after the show? Well, there's this record uh, that Miles Davis made. I, I think it's a double record, but I think Foreign More is one of them. I think it was a live show in New York, and there's this one moment... Um, when they're playing um, Stella by Starlight, and Miles hits this note that's so powerful that you hear somebody at, at the way at the back of the hall just scream like, "Yeah!" Like really scream, like they they really got the note. I want to be there when Miles played that note because every time I hear that on the recording, I feel exactly the same way that that guy felt. Man, that might be our, that might be one of the best answers I've ever heard in my life. I'm gonna have to, I, I had I just felt that whole thing that you described. I gotta find that album. Um, so um final question is this. Everyone has a version of you, a perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, but you're the one ultimately living your life. What's your perception yeah. of who you are? <laughs> I guess I I don't usually look look in my navel that that closely. Just I would just say from my perception of myself is just I'm just a regular human being that has the fortune of uh, being put in these situations where I was able to learn how to play an instrument and be able to communicate through my instrument. That I'm trying to find my way through life just like everybody else. But I'm so blessed to be able to do that through playing the piano and playing jazz. I'm forever grateful for that. And I have no regrets because of that. Well, we all are too, man. You've made wonderful music. Thank you, Art, for taking some time out. It's been a joy. It's been an honor. And good luck with the return to the stage and all of your future projects, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was a great conversation. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest cats in San Francisco, New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Art for his time, music, and story. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.